Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, is the best thing about dating homeless women the fact that you can just drop them off anywhere? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... Those of you that are more audially aware will notice the pitch and the aliens of that bell has changed. Last week, again, for the third or fourth time, my bell broke. You don't make proper bells in this country. <laughs> what happened to traditional skills like bell-making? How many bells am I going through? This now, this one sounds like this. Slightly higher than the last one, for those of you that are more aware than others. The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. What could possibly go wrong? So let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and Heather Vesson, Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society, and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised that when her ex was in bed, gasping for breath and calling her name out, she just wasn't holding the pillar down long enough. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Heather. Finally true. Finally true. We also have with us, in the absence of Kim, who is still unwell this week, so our best wishes are extended to her. We have Nathan, who has kindly stepped in. He is our resident attorney, although someone should have told him that he didn't need to wear Kim's dresses 
a makeup. <laughs> Nathan had a fake plant this week that died because he didn't pretend to water it. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Hi, Adrian. Fabulous times. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Nathan, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. <sighs> Greg did say he wanted to run his fingers through Nathan's hair, so Nathan took his shirt off. <laughs> Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Last night, Greg stayed up late and played poker with tarot cards. He got a full house and six people died this week. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> We are on Series 2, Episode 57. This is our 90th episode. Did you know that? We did 57 now for Series 2. We did 33 in our first series. We have 90 episodes available. If people wish to go to soundcloud.com and type in MQTA Radio, we have all 90 episodes on there for you to listen to. But 57 was, of course, a marketing slogan introduced well, when was it introduced? When was 57 introduced by Henry Hines for the Hines Company? I want a date. Closest one gets a point. Straight 1957. Off the bat. 1957. Nathan, your chance <laughs> to score your first point historically on more questions than answers. 1897. Greg Elope, what would you like to go with? 1935. I think Nathan's been cheating. It's 1896. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Rather begrudgingly, Nathan takes an early lead. Yes, it's true. And it doesn't actually mean anything. Did you know that? It has no meaning at all. Apparently, five was Henry Hines' favourite number and seven was his wife's lucky number and they just put the two together. It huh. means absolutely nothing. I bought a Hines Twitter alphabet suit but only got 140 characters. 57 <laughs> is the international dialing code of Colombia. Of course, many Colombians have childhood dreams of coming to America to drive taxis and serve hot dogs. That's called satire. We're experimenting with that at the moment. <laughs> Agent 57 is the name of the master of disguise in the television series Danger Mouse. Do you remember that? British, yes, I do. A British cartoon from the 1980s with uh -huh. Penfold. Agent 57. And whoever said as quiet as a mouse has obviously never trodden on a mouse. Passenger 57 was a film starring Wesley Snipes. This week, Wesley Snipes was made the finance minister for Greece. I made that up. I can't back that up with that anything. There's terrible. no facts for that That's at terrible. all. Fantastic. Now, we have done this show for nearly three years now. This is our 90th episode, and I have never, ever done this before, but I've never promoted my own website. Can you believe that? Three years into the show, never promoted my own website. If people wish to go to Adrian Lee Psychic, dot com i do readings tarot readings i speak to the dead i do healing i do paranormal investigating i have many many books out but if you wish to go and have a look that's adrian lee psychic dot com three years never ever mention my own website is that's that an oversight we never created it yes that's true <laughs> <laughs> of course it's very difficult to direct people to the website when the website wasn't actually <laughs> produced three years ago. That just shows you what a fabulous psychic 
I am. I should have been promoting the website I didn't have for two years back, right. back in the day, but that's where we are. Of course, we are on Facebook. If people visit our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, they will see all of tonight's stories and chat with like-minded people that are into the paranormal and the strange. We also have a YouTube account. Again, we have outtakes on there that are very funny. Again, under more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. We have a Twitter account that is followed now by 80,000 people, all interested in history and the paranormal and the strange. If you go to Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, you can join my Twitter account. And as previously mentioned, we do have an archive, soundcloud.com. If you type in MQTA Radio, 90 shows will be available for you to listen to anywhere you wish, in the car, walking the dog, in the gym. Just a few suggestions of how we can be accessed. Now, each week, I like to read out the mailbag. I like to read out the messages, the email letters. Fabulous, fabulous letters this week. Martin in New York posted a link to the film Zombievers. Last week. Do you remember? Uh, of course I do. Nobody believed such a film existed. And if you recall, Greg and myself were in a completely different place. And then we discovered it was a film about zombie beavers. So we stood corrected in these orthopedic shoes. Because no one believed Heather. Martin writes to Heather, in fact, and says, you have great taste. But hey, I was involved in doing Halloween houses since sixth grade. I even have my own tesla coil he says that like it's a chat up line he uses like someone you know he'll go to somebody and say hey do you want to come back to my place and touch my tesla coil this is where we are very strange <laughs> strange people listen to the show don't insult our one fan <laughs> can you get pregnant from touching a van de graaff generator without protection this is the question that needs to be answered <laughs> jonas in california says i told a friend about the show and he said he was hooked after the first joke quite thrilled about sharing this show with my friends once again thanks to the team for the good times griff wants to see us do more than one show a week he says adrian's stingy in his decrepit old age <laughs> well that's minus five no don't applaud that's minus five straight off the bat bloody cheek i'm the second youngest person around this table so griff you are now on minus five five outrageous now last week i did a paranormal investigation it was uh, during wednesday and thursday of last week i was at the periwinkle hotel it's in chelsea tamar county in iowa i still haven't got used to distances in this country i look at a map i see that it's just a couple of inches from where i live and i think that'll take an hour maybe 45 minutes five hours of driving into the heart of iowa and let me tell you that I was looking for roadkill and electric poles to break up my journey at that stage. <laughs> Three hours in, I was grasping a rusty nail into the palm of my hand to stay conscious. This is where we are. Unbelievable. But I did end up. The reason is, of course, that in Britain, you're never more than 75 miles away from the sea. So if you look at a map of Britain and it's a, it's a two inch journey, tops, that's going to be 30 minutes. I still haven't got used to distances. <laughs> it doesn't look that far away, does it, is where I'm going. It's only in the next state. This is where we are. I've yet to realise that you can drive from one end of Texas to the other, and it's 12 hours. Mm -hmm. This is where we yeah. are. But I was at the Periwinkle Hotel. We did an investigation there. It was built in 1892, 
and only closed down in 2003 as a funeral parlour. It's allegedly the first funeral parlour in the whole of Iowa. It's one of those funeral parlour stroke hotels that you read so much about in Iowa. I went to bed after the investigation in the hotel and there was three coffins stacked up next to me. And let me tell you, they had body juice in them because I looked. (laughs) Someone had left a corpse smoothie in there. But there's skeletons and embalming fluids and ashes and coffins everywhere. And it's a bed and breakfast. And you felt right at home. Wait a second. It was a bed and breakfast. It was a bed. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that funny? (laughs) With all that corpse juice. Yeah. What did you say? Detritus? Yes. How do you even know such words? It just came to me. Three years you've been. (laughs) So explain to our listeners what detritus actually is, because I'm sure they'll be interested. I can't. No, you don't. It's just words you've picked up off the television, isn't it? There's four types of rubbish you get in the sea. There's lagon and there's all kinds, but detritus is the stuff that's washed up on a beach. Well, there you go. See? So you're telling me I stayed in a bed and breakfast in landlocked Iowa and slept next to stuff that was washed up off the beach. Why not? That tide comes in and out quickly, doesn't it? Well, the whole of the East Coast got wet there, didn't it? But it's true. It's a bed and breakfast. It's true. It has detritus. It's true. There was detritus. Bits of driftwood and seaweed ended up in my bed. Have you ever woken up next to some seaweed? Yes, and I got rid of it. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. This is what happens if you go around touching Van de Graaff generators without protection, madam. There was a parlour downstairs where they had the bodies laid out in rest back in the day. The lady, Jodie, is a fabulous woman. Um, She holds murder mysteries there, and it's very popular, apparently. (laughs) But we did an investigation. I was thinking before we started, there'd be a sense of collective mourning. There'd be a sense that people would go there to grieve. You'd have all the energy of that. And uh, on our first vigil, we were in the parlour that's now been turned into a bedroom where the bodies would have been laid out in rest for 100 years altogether. And Scott, our team leader, who's based... By the way, Scott... What a professional. Drove all the way from Lake Superior up in the top corner of Wisconsin all the way into the middle of Iowa. He left in February, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) He arrived with a beard. Who knew? (laughs) We just got the sense that when we started that particular vigil, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of tension, a lot of friction in the air. And I think that was mainly because they didn't know why we were there. I got the impression that it wasn't the dead people that were haunted the building. It was the family that lived there for 100 years. Because when you die, you don't spend any time when you're alive in the funeral parlour. You don't spend any time when you're alive in the mortuary, do you? You're laid out in rest and your spirit's gone at that point. So I was thinking the people that were coming through in spirit were the people that lived there, the people whose bedrooms were upstairs, the people that grew up there, you know, born there, raised there, were a child there, were an adult there, and then died there themselves, for example. So we introduced ourselves and that tension and friction disappeared. Scott... Our team leader had an orb go over his head. He literally saw a white light flash over his head as he was sitting in the hallway looking into the parlour. And we captured that on video. So, again, very interesting. I'm very reluctant to say orbs exist when you have a photograph and the flash is bouncing back dust and pollen and insects. We all saw this with our own eyes. And then it got picked up on an IR camera. So I thought that was very interesting. But psychically, I got the name Joseph come through. And I got the idea that he was Czech or Bohemian. I actually lived in Prague 
for a short while and I've been to Prague three or four times and I, I'm aware of Bohemia, I'm aware of Prague and I got those images, I got those thoughts and those senses. So I was picking that up psychically. We then turned on the ghost box and what I want to do, of course, is back up my psychic word. And the first thing it said was that his name was Joseph. I said, who's there? He said, Joseph. I said, you prefer being called Joe or Joseph? And he said, Joseph. So instantly I got a name there. And I said, uh, which country did you come from? Where were you from originally? And he said, I'm Czech. So this was backing up all of the psychic work I was doing with the ghost box. And we could actually hear these responses coming through. I said to him, when did you arrive here? And he said, 20. So I just assumed that was 1920. So we carried on with our work. And uh, I said, well, where did you come from? Czechoslovakia, like Iowa, is landlocked. So how did you get to America? And he said Trieste. And for those of you that know your geography, of course, Trieste is a port just in the top right-hand corner of Italy, almost on the border of Slovenia, which would have been Yugoslavia back in the day. So all this is correct. I then said to him, what do you miss? And I didn't get a response. So I said, well, I'm a foreigner here. I miss tea. I miss fish and chips. I miss soccer. And he shouted out the word English. And when he got an idea of the things I was talking about, I then said to him, well, what do you miss? And he said, I miss the people. So he missed his friends. He missed other Czechs, other Bohemians. At the very end of this vigil, there was a longer conversation with this. And perhaps on next week's episode or in the future, we can actually play these EVPs for people to listen to. But at the end, I said, would you like to say goodbye? And he said, Spohem. And we wrote that down phonetically. We didn't know what that meant. We then looked up, because now with modern technology, you can get your cell phone out and you can just access the internet. After that first vigil, during what we call the plenary, we actually looked up what the word for goodbye was in Czech, and it was Spohem. And we don't speak Czech, do we? We have no idea what these things mean. So we wrote that down. I thought that was fabulous. I then realised, doing some historical research this week, there was a guy, the guy that built that funeral home was called Joseph Rabak. And he first came to Iowa in 1866. So that was his funeral home. He built that. He was, in fact, Czech. And uh, he was born in 1846 and arrived in America in 1866. So if you remember, I asked him when he came here and he said 20. We all thought that was 1920. It turns out he was 20 years old. I thought that was remarkable. And to add to that, um, obviously... I then looked up his birthday. It was the 6th of April. So last week, we investigated that night, that Wednesday night into Thursday. That was actually his birthday. If I'd have known that, we'd have bought a birthday cake and some candles and used that as trigger objects. I thought that was remarkable. So if people are interested, that's the Periwinkle Hotel. It's a bed and breakfast. It's in Chelsea in Iowa. If people wish to go and look that up online, I'm going to include that in my book, More mysterious midwest and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to post on our facebook site or perhaps play you on the radio some of the conversation i had with joseph the czech from 1866 when he arrived in america these are fabulous things i love my job there's nothing better is there my week involves doing radio shows writing books doing psychic readings and investigating haunted houses there's worse things to be doing do you see what i'm saying we run into the first round that is called ghosts 
and hauntings. I have a story that says the ghostly figure of a woman's mother-in-law has apparently turned up on a family photograph and taken eight years after she passed away. Caroline Walker was snapping shots of her grandson as they played peekaboo. But when the 49-year-old looked through her shot, she spotted a see-through spirit in her nightie popping up behind him. Caroline from Bradford, West Yorkshire said, It's really weird and quite spooky. I can see arms and part of a see-through body that appears to be dressed in a nightie. That would be a see-through nightie then. I'm guessing that is not classed as sexy though if she's been dead for eight years. <laughs> see where we are. The figure in the pictures is transparent and the only person I think it could be is my ex-mother-in-law because we have her old furniture in the room. The house is only 20 years old, so I don't think there could be any spirits from my home. She's the only one we can think of. I only met my mother-in-law a few times, but I know she was a strong businesswoman who seemed really nice. Tragically, she had an accident that left her in a vegetative state before passing away in 2008. But even then, in her worst days, she knew who I was. Pretty much everything in the room belonged to her. It was all of her antiques. Maybe she was coming to have a look to check on her antique furniture, or maybe she came to have a look at her great-grandson. We're not really sure. Would you come back in spirit to check on your furniture or to check on your great-grandson? What are we going with here? I'm saying (laughs) great-grandson. Would you be bothered in spirit on checking who had your dresser and who had your occasional table? Perhaps. Piano. Pictures. Maybe. Carpet. I, saw, I saw the photo. It's bunk anyway. Oh, she's just ruined my story. How about, <laughs> how, about, how about a big slab of minus two? How's you like them apples? I've not even finished the story. If you're going to shoot it down in flames, at least wait till I've finished. Carry on. My grandson was just being cheeky. He loves having his photo taken. He was posing for some fun photos. We never saw anything at the time whilst taking the pictures. It's very strange. We can't explain it ourselves. It was only a few weeks later when I was going through them that I noticed what looked like a ghost behind my grandson. When I showed my friends, they first started to laugh in disbelief, but then they were a bit shocked. They're not the only ones. It's changed the way I see the room. God, you're going to be in so minus points. You won't even know. Griff's going to be beating you. He's on minus five right now. When I showed my friends and read the story out on more questions and answers, they laughed in disbelief. It changed the way I saw the room. I'm not worried at all, but it feels like she could still be there. I've always believed in the paranormal, but until you see something yourself, you can never be certain. And now I do think there could be something after death. After discovering the haunting figure, Caroline consulted with paranormal investigators, but even they struggled to explain the chilling findings. You should have spoken to Heather. She'd have sorted that out straight off the bat. Since then, she's taken several pictures to try and capture the figure again, but it hasn't seen anything unusual. It's not unusual. Since the incident, I've noticed a few more creaks in the house, but I don't know if that's been caused by the spirit or if it's just the house. I always try to see the logical side of things, but this picture, I just cannot explain. And that's what makes it paranormal. If you wish to see the ghost in Nightwear, you can visit our Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. Miss Morris, why is that... (laughs) 
bunk. Is bunk a technical term? I hadn't yes. realised. It is. Yes. It's used in the paranormal field. Yes. We have a lot of words like that, don't we? Like EVP. Ball hockey. EMF. Ball hockey. Yeah. I'd like to see ball hockey. <laughs> You'd need four sets of skates for each ball, wouldn't you? I get the impression if you put a lot of balls on the ice wearing skates, they would not be interested in the puck, is what I'm saying. <laughs> the puck would be inconsequential to the game, right? Why is it Why is it bunk? It's such a tosh and bunkum, isn't it? Yes, it why is. Why is that? I've seen the photo. It's terrible. It looks like some little flailing arm and maybe a trail of a Smoke. nightgown or something. Yeah, well, what what caused it then? I didn't look at it that close. I just know it's not a person and it's not a ghost. So you say it's bunk, but you've actually looked at it. I have looked at it and it's bunk. It's and bu- I saw Miss it was Morris bunk and then I moved on. Says it's bunk. <laughs> and she's got more important things to do in her life, apparently. That's right. If you don't have more important things to do in your life, you can go to our Facebook site and actually look at it properly. <laughs> Miss Morris. Read me a story that isn't bunk. <laughs> well, I have a theme park that offers a virtual cremation ride. Oh, we've had this before. Nathan, what have you got for me tonight? I have not had this before. <laughs> the Window of the World Amusement Park in Shenzhen, China, has set up a rather unusual attraction. Visitors looking to experience what it is like to be cremated can now choose to participate in the park's death simulator. Death simulator. Yes, it's a bizarre ride devised by two Chinese philanthropists. That's difficult to say. Yeah, I know, right? Chinese philanthropists. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Those who take part are placed inside a coffin and wheeled into a mock-up cremation chamber where they are subjected to blasts of heat and a light show designed to simulate fire. Once this is over, the image of a womb is projected onto the ceiling, and the participants must crawl through a tunnel until they emerge outside a representation of being reborn. So hang on, you've got an image of a womb. Yes. And a feeling of burning. Yes. That's cystitis, madam. (laughs) They need cranberry juice. (laughs) The bizarre attraction was funded by China's answer to crowdfunding website Kickstarter. It at least gives you a chance to calm down and brings you back to Earth to think about some of life's problems, said one visitor. If you're exiting via something that's done up to look like um, you know, a womb yes. and an exit, yes. you see where we're going with this. The yes. only exit that you could possibly have if you're inside a womb, right? Yes. Without saying naughty words on the radio. Yes. How do you enter? How do you get into the ride? See, Through the we, cremation chamber. Is that what they're calling it now, is it? Yes. So if I wake up with a sore cremation chamber, that's a good Saturday night <laughs> out, is it? Yeah. Okay. I'll be sure to call it that. When you walk through the, that door, you will experience some changes in your mentality, and it will be different from what it was before you entered. I've seen this ride. It's bunk. It doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> I only looked at it briefly, and I moved on. There was far more important things for me to do, like well, scratch my cremation chamber. I think it's really great and worthwhile. So, <laughs> Yes, but unfortunately, I'm in charge of the points, so you're on minus four. Griff! You're only a point away from being last. I have a story that says a spoot college student has filmed some creepy goings on inside his dorm, which he believes is the ghost of a student who killed himself in the same room. You want anything you want to comment on this? Bunk. Bunk. YouTube user Paddy C has posted eerie clips of his 
cupboard door opening by itself, as well as loud knocking coming from the inside. Posting his experience, Paddy wrote, My first night there, I'm hanging out with my roommate Rob. He's playing on his PC. I'm playing on my PS4. We both have our headphones in. This does not sound like university days. My days at university are a blur. I don't ever recall hanging out in my room with a guy called Rob with headphones in whilst he's playing a PC and I'm playing a PS4. There was far more important things to do at university. They didn't than have that. computers and PS4 back then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, the behavior. I had a game of Bagatelle and tic tac toe, and we were happy. <laughs> I'm right naive, me, but happy. Even so, at university, <laughs> there should be cocaine and hookers or something. <laughs> something. Surely, your first night at university does not include having headphones in and playing PS. Four with a guy called Rob. <laughs> there must be far more important things to do on their first. What was your first night at university like, Nathan? I can't say. He can't even remember. He's an attorney and he won't even say what he did. Some of it was barely legal. To be fair, the goat still writes barely? at Christmas. He then claims the knocking grew louder and louder until one night both men realized the noise wasn't coming from the hall it's coming from my closet paddy row i get up put on my phone light and timidly open the door the thing creaks open to reveal nobody inside paddy's roommate did not return to college after the winter break leaving the young student alone in room 169 the knocking grew louder Paddy claimed, and sometimes he would wake up to find his closet door wide open. Is there a good opportunity to climb inside and go looking for a lion and a witch at this point? Does he come out of the closet ever? I don't know. I'll have to ask the guy. He's now on his own, so I wonder why Rob never came back. Just saying. It was very interesting because the person who wrote this article didn't say winter break. They actually did a misspelling, and they've put wiener break. Nice. So Paddy's roommate did not return to college after the wiener break. Mm. I know. I can see where that can I never gave my wiener a break when I was at university. <laughs> after mentioning the strange goings-on to a friend in the year above, who apparently revealed that a student had killed himself in room 169 the previous year. The story has gone viral, with believers offering advice such as using holy water to chase out the demon, or simply leaving the closet door open so it can't bang anymore so is it a demon or is it a ghost of a previous student we took a leap there didn't we mm. suddenly there was a leap previously it was the ghost of a student now apparently it's a demon in the last sentence mm. and never the twain shall meet i shall give myself a large amount of points nathan what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings you are currently on one point beverly hills of the dead a friend of mine just returned from traveling in the philippines and told me that i should look into the chinese cemetery of manila where the dead have better houses than the living i found out he was right most of these homes have their own fully functioning kitchens bathrooms and even bedrooms where relatives can sleep alongside their buried relatives <laughs> i couldn't get my ex-wife to use the kitchen when she's alive what, what are people going to do with this stuff when they're dead i'm just saying if, if you could go anywhere you wanted to in spirit no why would you be ironing clothes and doing washing up no you are mishearing oh the living are hanging out with the, with the dead. dead this happened in victorian britain they used to make it a 
pastime on a Sunday afternoon to hang out with the dead and they'd have chairs and they'd have tables and benches for you to sit on and you would have a picnic and you would hang out with your dead relatives. This was a pastime. This is why cemeteries were purposely built with flora and fauna and paths to walk along. It was a Sunday afternoon, a day out with the dead. I think these are proper houses. They probably are. What is it going to say, Nathan? In some cases, the relatives live amongst the dead full time. There we go. The tombs, the tombs are bigger than most houses and lined real two-way streets within the cemetery grounds. It's dubbed <laughs> the Beverly Hills of the Dead. Nice. Fantastic. And this is in Manila, is it? It's in Manila. They're yep. really pushing the envelope, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry it was there. You'd be disappointed if I didn't say it. Yeah. It got that way because Spanish colonials prohibited the Chinese from using the Catholic cemeteries, so they were forced to create their own cemeteries in a unique place where wealthy Chinese families have built little mansions around the graves of their loved ones since the 19th century to make sure the dead feel comfortable even in the afterlife. That's important. A nice pillow. Yeah. Your corpse juice is going everywhere, but you've got a nice pillow. You can mop it up. (laughs) You could with some bread. <laughs> oh, Controversial. <laughs> the Chinese hold great respect for the departed ones, and since ancient times, they believe that the souls of the dev- dead live in another world and graves are their earthly residencies. Fabulous. It has become a tradition for the li- living to spend entire days visiting the deceased, installing household amenities such as TV sets, couches, and flushing <laughs> toilets inside the tomb. Some of the living actually end up residing permanently in the cemetery. Wait That's a be- minute. Toilets in the tomb? I know. It smells like someone's died in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love high five. Can I make it slap? There we go. I love this show. Have I mentioned that before? I love this show. Do you love this show? I do. It's fabulous. (laughs) Fantastic news. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Well, I have ancient curses found in 2,400-year-old grave. Do you believe that? 2,400. 100. 100. That's before the birth of Christ. Well, there were curses before him, apparently. Lead tablets inscribed with powerful curses have been unearthed at a gravesite in Athens, Greece. Mm-hmm. So, found pierced with an iron nail, the five tablets, of which four bear inscriptions, had been folded and buried in the grave in a hope that they would reach the Chthonic gods of the underworld. Chthonic. Yes. Fantastic words tonight. I You're know. just making this stuff. I've never heard, seen you. your vernacular's fantastic tonight, Heather. I shall give you... <laughs> An extra point for just having a really nice vernacular. <laughs> Has anyone ever said your vernacular's nice? Yeah, it was a come on. It was it really? <laughs> Why don't you come home with me and I'll let you touch my... Tesla coil? Tesla coil. <laughs> it won't be coiled for very long, madam, I can assure you. I'm using all your lines, Martin, and they're working. Thank you. The way that curse tablets work is that they're meant to be deposited in an underground location. It's as though... That these subterranean places provided a conduit through which the curses could have reached the underworld. I promise to use a conduit. I don't want any, you know, accidents. <laughs> we'll be safe. We'll be protected. I'll use a conduit. Uh, according to the inscriptions <laughs> on the tablets, the curses had been intended to target four different husband and wife tavern keepers and may have been commissioned by a rival in the area. One of the inscriptions stated, cast your hate upon... Phenagora and Demetrius and their tavern and their property and their possessions. And another one read, I will bind my enemy 
Demetrius. Your enema. Yes. Okay. And You're going to bind an enema. That's- yes. And Finagora. What if, if you swallowed in a dictionary? blood and ashes. What was that word? Finagora. Finagora. Yeah, that's her name. Uh, it's her name, is it? Yeah. Look it. Oh, Fanagora. <laughs> we, just, we just call her Fanny. Yeah. You know Fanny and Demetrius. They're tavern. Fanny, Fanny and Demetrius. <laughs> that was a Shakespeare play. I had to read that at school. It was Fanny and Demetrius. <laughs> if there's not a play out there called Fanny... Shakespeare wrote it. He Don't did. you remember? <laughs> I was there. Remember? I'm old and decrepit. That's right. And you didn't have PCs or PS4s. <laughs> no, we, we didn't. No. I didn't even have a web Website back then. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it all in full circle, aren't you? Anyway. <laughs> and we've still got half an hour to go. I know. So anyway, these curses were actually buried with some ashes. They say ashes of a young woman. Why it's of a young woman in their ashes. I don't know how they told that. But how do anyway, we even know? I have no idea. Demetrius and Fanny. You know, Fanny. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> Anyway, what became of the tavern keepers mentioned in the inscriptions, however, remains a mystery. Those weren't buried, so... That's like Frankie and Johnny, but for the Greeks. Uh, Frankie and Johnny, Demetrius and Fanny. Yes. I have one last story in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings that has now been going for the best part of 38 minutes. Linda Bellingham's devastated sons say their stepfather's claim he had sex with her ghost was the final straw in a bitter dispute. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago? We spoke about Linda Bellingham, who was a soap star, and also she'd worked as an actress on some very famous adverts in Britain. And she died. And the husband, who was being interviewed, said that she'd come back to visit him and they had sex together. Do you recall that story? No. The son's... What do you mean, no? You were here when I read it out. (laughs) Needless to say, I was here and I recall... You remember, don't you, Greg? Yep. There you go. (laughs) Nathan, you remember that one, don't you? No. <laughs> Nathan's back on zero. The point is that the husband said that she comes back and they have shenanigans, and the two sons were so devastated by this, they're now contesting the will because they were unhappy about that. Linda's son, Michael and Robbie, are challenging their stepfather, Michael Patamore, over the loose women's star's will. They claim they have only received £750 each from their mother's estate since she lost her battle with colon cancer in October 2014. In an interview, Michael and Robbie claimed they were devastated by Michael's claims he was visited by Linda from the afterlife and sleeps with her ghost in spirit. Do you think she just lies there like a corpse? She must have Norwegian blood. (laughs) Robbie said at that point... I thought, no, enough is enough. That interview was awful. So disrespectful to my mother. She should be remembered for all the wonderful work she did as an actress and the inspiring coverage she showed at the end of her life. Not for these tacky revelations that are tarnishing the reputation she worked so hard for. Although they acknowledge that everything was left by Linda to Patmore in her will, the boys believe that it was her intention that they should be looked after. They say Patamore told them the money was tied up in properties and impossible to access. They claim Linda would be mortified if she knew how property developer Michael had privately behaved since her death, while publicly betraying himself as a grieving widow. It really doesn't do him any favours as well that he's currently on a round-the-world cruise and he's seen on Facebook sipping champagne in different places all the way around the world at the moment. 
I'm just saying that doesn't help his case. Insisting they have not spoken out for money. The pair say it is their stepfather's astonishing hypocrisy which has led them to publicly speak out. At Linda's funeral in Somerset in November 2014, Linda's brother read a letter written by their mother which said, I love you both so much that it hurts. Michael said the pair won't give up. We need to stand up for our mother and what she wanted. So how many of you were thinking of the Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters scene in the bed of the fire station when I read out that he had had sex with a ghost. If you did, and you're listening to the show at the moment, award yourself five points and post it on our Facebook site so I can see how many people have beaten Heather this week. (laughs) (laughs) We move into the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. Fascinating footage shows another mysterious creature in the Thames. This has emerged after another animal likened to the Loch Ness Monster was captured swimming in the river earlier this week. Do you remember last week I read out a story on the show that said there was a creature like the Loch Ness Monster swimming in the Thames? Yes. How can it be like the Loch Ness Monster? We don't know what the Loch Ness Monster is. So how can it be like the Loch Ness Monster? Did you see where we are? Yes. A YouTuber posted the clip online calling it Nessie in the Thames. He wrote everyone was looking at a freaking rainbow. And no one paid attention to this thing. It's probably a just rubbish. freaking rubby. rainbow. Freak, I'm just reading what okay. he's written. His <laughs> caption said, he was sitting outside the pub having a drink, I'm sure. His caption said, this was on the cable car in Greenwich. Something huge was moving under the water and then briefly surfaced. Are there whales in the Thames or is this something weird like a submarine? He thought the monster was a sign of the world ending. There's a leak there as well, isn't there? Many speculated that the creature could be a lost sperm whale. Greg, have you lost? No, we won't go there. It's too early. A whale (laughs) famously appeared in the Thames 10 years ago and a man called Jonah stepped out and was instantly arrested for being an illegal immigrant. The young female (laughs) northern bottlenose whale was discovered swimming in the river and later became dubbed the river thames wow it is now being sold as souvenir soap in gift shops all around london heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of ufos and cryptozoology i got a face invader a face invader that's like alien is that's the face hugger from alien isn't it well there is a california man 77 builds 90 foot long alien face out of rocks in his backyard to attract ufos that should do it i'm here come and get me oops yes you have a big face wow Because my brain's so large, madam. That's what you call it, huh? One minute, you're standing in your backyard making faces out of rocks for a UFO to come down. Mm -hmm. And the next minute, you're waking up wondering why your backdoor crematorium is sore. I'm just saying. Many senior citizens in California like to do a little gardening. But one Romaland 77-year-old has much bigger ambitions for his backyard. He's using it to host a 90-foot by 60-feet image of an alien's face made out of rocks in hopes that it will attract UFOs. Larry Decker started his project on March 28th and finished the enormous image of a gray alien, the kind that supposedly crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, in 1947, Three days later. So it only took him three days. He's on fire. He's he crazy. must have been drinking a lot of coffee. Why yeah. didn't you fire a laser pen into the sky and bang drums like everyone else does? <laughs> <laughs> 
Decker later told ABC7 that his interest in what lies beyond Earth began when he was a 10-year-old living on a farm in southern Ohio. One day he said he was walking to a neighbor to get milk when he walked off the path and onto a crop circle in the wheat field. That day, he became obsessed with the idea of intelligent life in space. Yes, but did he get his milk? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Dry cocoa pops for you that day. So he has built this huge alien head. It's just a head with a smiley face, I think. Okay. I don't know. I looked at it briefly. And it's all bunk. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. You had better things to do, so you moved on. (laughs) (laughs) He thought to himself, wouldn't it be nice to go to the porch swing and have a nice chat? Decker said, so hopefully this face will trick them into coming so we can shake hands and talk. And then they're going to dissect him, which would be nice. Probably, probably. Good times. He'll get a good probing. Fabulous. Let's hope so. <laughs> Perhaps he could write in and tell us about it. It was all so sudden. I'm just an old-fashioned guy. I didn't get taken to the cinema or have a meal or, or anything. Nothing. Doesn't even write. No Dairy Queen? No Dairy Queen for me. <laughs> Straight on the table and probed in the crematorium exit. In this drone footage, the latest evidence of a large cat appears stalking the British countryside. A huge cat-like beast is feared to be on the loose in the Welsh mountains after this strange drone footage emerged. Aerial video producers from Rough Cuts flew their drone over a quarry in Flintshire to shoot footage of the idyllic Welsh mountains. But then when they watched the footage back, they were stunned to see what appeared to be a large beast. Some have questioned whether it could be a big cat, many of which have been reported across northern Wales. How other critics say the creature could be just a dog. One of those Welsh mountain dogs you read so much about, no doubt. Did you know that on a Welsh mountain dog, the legs on the left-hand side are actually shorter than the right-hand side, so it can cling to the mountain without falling down? They're very similar beasts to the kebab, which roams the Kakar mountain ranges of Turkey, I'm led to believe, and the free-range Aberdeenshire haggis that clings onto the rocks using sticky feet. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> on rough cuts, they wrote, I was editing this on a bigger screen than it was filmed on, and noticed during playback a large animal. There was one dog owner earlier, but her dog was white. This looks more like a cat, the statement goes on. We will return and investigate later this month and see if we can see it again. It comes after a local told North Wales police they spotted a huge beast roaming through the fields of Lamberis. The person who was not named claimed a big cat, such as a tiger, lion or puma, was roaming near the Snowdonia village. We're on a bit of a trip there, aren't we? It could have been a tiger. Those will be the ones from India and Siberia that are orange and black. Or a lion, those yellow ones that come from Africa. Or a puma, which are brown and tend to reside in the Americas. So any one of those three, because they're all very similar geographically and look the same, right? Maybe it's a bear. Maybe it's a bear. We don't have bears in Britain. We, we got rid of them all in the 13th century. <laughs> we said, we've had enough of you. Go. You're over here taking our jobs, marrying our women. You're stealing all our marmalade sandwiches. Jog on. <laughs> in November 2014, Darren Miller called on the Welsh government to investigate big cat sightings. He claimed there had been a flurry of sightings of big cats since the Dangerous Wild Animals Act of 1976 made it illegal to keep untamed Pets. This is, of course, responsible for the terrible gerbil summer of 1977. I think we can all remember that, can't we? Nathan, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? The rover Opportunity photographed 
Um, Martin Dust Devils. Martian. 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 Martin Dust Devils. I went to school with him. Martin Dust Devils. I knew his sister. I dated his sister. June, her name was. June Dust Devils. He's a cousin to Pigpen. Lovely, lovely woman she was. She had no teeth and she could whistle. No, I won't go there. I saw that photo. It's real. It's very real. It's not bunk then. No. It's not Tosh. NASA's aging rover has... NASA or NASA? What are we going with, NASA? NASA, NASA. okay. NASA. NASA. This guy's got two H... Two Two HPs. He owns owns two pencils. And a JD. This is a man who owns two pencils and is an attorney. And he keeps getting his worms wrong. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Rest assured, everyone's on minus five. Okay. The aging rover has captured an impressive image of a vortex swirling around on the surface of Mars. The now-dead spirit rover has previously encountered many dust devils on the surface of the red planet. Um, The current image was taken by Opportunity on its 4,332nd day on Mars, a remarkable feat considering that the rover's original mission, which began back in 2004, was set to run for only 90 days. They don't make them like they used to, do they? I bet it's got Duracell batteries in it. What are the chances? (laughs) The latest uh, Dust Devil, however, which was taken by, as I said, by Opportunity, was making its way up a steep slope towards Knutson uh, Ridge is perhaps the most impressive of them all. Just as on, on Earth, the Dust Devil is created by a rising, rotating column of air. I have two PhDs. I could read this. Yes, you got the word <laughs> column really well there, didn't you? <laughs> NASA wrote on his website, when the column whirls fast enough, it picks up tiny grains of dust from the ground, making the vortex visible. I'm imagining the Tasmanian Devil at this stage. Yeah. From the Warner Brothers cartoon. You with me? Yeah. This is where we are. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. Oh, Photo. this isn't bunk. This is you're actually yeah, going with real. this, are you? I'm yeah. telling you're you. just feeling sorry for him at this stage. Yeah, no, it's no. real because I can't read. Fair enough. <laughs> with his HPDs, with his H, with his two HB pencils. <laughs> I know where those two HB pencils are going to go shortly. <laughs> Fabulous. There we are. Martin Dust Devils captured by NASA. Fabulous. <laughs> we now move into the round that is the strange and the bizarre, because nothing that's gone before this point in the show has been strange and bizarre. I have a story that says two snakes with different personalities. Isn't that big a story? Until you realize these different reptile heads are attached to the same body. The two-headed snake has one head which is more aggressive and physically attacks the other one. Jason Talbot snapped the slithery serpent when his mates found it living in the wild before taking it into captivity. The 42-year-old from Kansas says that without working together, the snake was unable to bite anything effectively as both heads were required to move the body. Although it looked like a fearsome beast, the snake was harmless and Jason admitted that its bite would not be enough to break a human's skin. Jason said it's estimated that it's a 1 in 10,000 chance. He's made that up. Did you know that 83.7% of all statistics are made up on the spot? (laughs) But it's hard to know a true number as they are wild and elusive animals and survival rates are very low. 
I'm a massive fan of creepy crawlies and snakes. I photographed hundreds of them and received a fair few bites along the way. Fortunately, they were non-venomous ones. The snake has been found by a few of my friends in the wild, and when I heard about it, I jumped on the opportunity and took some photographs. What was funny about the snake was that the two heads had different personalities. One of the heads was very aggressive and kept trying to bite other objects have you ever read a book a gentleman died last year his name was oliver Sacks. he was a neurosurgeon he yes. wrote a fabulous fabulous book called the man who thought his wife was his hat and it mm -hmm. tells all of his case studies over the years of looking at the brain and he said in the book that this is pioneering surgery back in the 1980s and 1990s people that had really severe epileptic fits they realized that the fit would start on one hemisphere of the brain and then quickly spread to the other part so you would start fitting in the left hand side of your brain and it would spread to the right they decided with pioneering surgery to cut the link between the left and the right hand hemisphere so you're basically making two separate brains at that point. You see where we are. He then went on to say that when they did this study, so when you fit in one side of your brain, it then doesn't spread is where we are. They then discovered that they actually had some cases where a gentleman was doing up his shirt with his right hand, but then undoing it with his left. So they were working against one another and he couldn't work out what was happening. And there was one case study where the left-hand side of the brain liked the wife he was married to, and the right-hand side didn't. So he'd have his arm round her with his right hand. And then punching her with the other And he'd one. have a knife in the other one. <laughs> this reminds me of my marriage because the left-hand side of my brain didn't like my wife. And the right-hand side of my brain didn't like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Strange and Bizarre? I have a man who was busted for selling energy drinks. That he made from his own wee-wee. You're close. Close. What's close to wee wee? Well, it had meth in it. It had meth. I don't wee meth. <laughs> What's close to wee wee meth? Just pay attention. It. Oh, we'll, we'll get there, will yeah. we? Okay. This happened in West Virginia. So here we go. Boone County resident Jasper June, seventy-two. Jasper June. Yes, and I didn't make that. The up. names on this show are incredible. Incredible was arrested today on felony charges of manufacturing and distributing homemade energy drinks containing the powerful stimulant methamphetamine. June actually lives in 200 square feet in a tree fort on his brother's property to find Jasper wearing only an adult diaper and reading an Arabic pornographic magazine. An Arabic. Yeah, that too. An Arabic pornographic. Yep. An Arabic pornographic magazine is where you see the eyes. <laughs> 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 There's a big center spread in the middle where you get the glimpse of a toe and an ankle. It's outrageous. So let's, that ankle was shaved as well. I might add. Let, let's summarize this. <laughs> let's summarize. Yes, it's Jasper June. Jasper June. JJ wearing <laughs> reading Arabic. He's Seventy-two. He's reading Arabic pornographic magazines. Yes, in an adult diaper. Those would be useless to convicted Arab shoplifters, wouldn't they? What a diaper? Uh, no, pornographic <laughs> magazines. <laughs> I've got all day. I can wait. <laughs> and he lives in a tree fort. Stop interrupting me when I'm being funny. <laughs> okay, I'll do that when you're funny. Minus <laughs> four. Griff's not actually in last place anymore. And he started on minus five. Police seized approximately 25 two-liter bottles of June's energy drink. June's energy drink. 
which was found in a cider block pump house on the property. So how long was he in cider? Mmm, Dickens. The bottles tested positive for methamphetamine. June came under suspicion when he sold four bottles to several high school girls who hours later were checked into a hospital with internal bleeding. The children's parents phoned authorities. A police report contains several statements from June. Oh, and these are priceless. Here we go. Are you ready? I was born ready. They're just energy drinks like Rockstar or Monster. It's not meth in there. It's just lemonade, you know, caffeine and sugar and a couple drops of gasoline. Isn't that what Michael Jackson said to his kids? <laughs> what? Did you get the last ingredient at all? Gasoline. There you go. That's some serious wind at that point, isn't it? <laughs> I swear to God I didn't put meth in there. Customers would come to June's home to buy the energy drinks for 20 per bottle. One customer spoke on the condition of anonymity. I'm shocked Jasper would put crank in his energy drink. Crank? Yes. That's a new word I hadn't previously been aware of. That's what they're calling it, isn't it? This is what the youth of today, when they're sat in their universities playing PSB with their headphones on, are drinking <laughs> crank now, are they? I didn't know nothing about that. I just knew they worked good to keep me awake for a couple days. Gasoline, it keeps you running. Stuff way better than Monster, the energy drink. Hours after June's first statement, he confessed, Okay, I put just a little meth in there to get them addicted and to keep them as customers and coming back. Why did he put gasoline in it? What does that do? I know they'll all testify against me, so let me make something else clear. I peed a little in every bottle. I told you. (laughs) He also, June is also. It's what he's not. What did he? (laughs) Hang on a second. You started this story by saying that he was reading Arabic. (laughs) That's right. Pornographic magazines. In a diaper. But all he did was pee in it. Yes. Okay. Yes. We're just check. Are you sure? <laughs> June also faces child endangerment charges for poisoning the girls who drank his homemade concoction. Concoction. <laughs> That's right. He made a decocking, didn't he? He did. I only wanted to take a sip, but the whole thing went down it. in one. He lives in a tree fort. Nathan, here's your chance. (laughs) Let's have a go at what they call reading again, shall we? What have you got to finish off in The Strange and the Bizarre? A prank caller convinces Coon Rapids Burger King employees to smash windows. This is very close. This is close to, I know. This is too close to home. This was on the BBC News. Was it really? There's stuff happening in Coon Rapids in Minnesota that's made the BBC News. That's awesome. You can't make this stuff up. A prank caller convinced employees of a Coon Rapids Burger King to smash all of the windows of the restaurant to keep the building from exploding. According to the police, employees received a phone call from someone claiming to be from the Coon Rapids Fire Department. The caller said the restaurant was pressurized and could explode. So the- <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So the employees needed to break the windows to relieve the pressure. <laughs> the employees believed the caller and broke multiple windows, police say. One employee received a minor cut cut while breaking the windows uh no other injuries were reported to be fair if you're working the late shift in burger king you're not gifted you know i don't want to make a generalization perhaps perhaps we'll retract that with my attorney (laughs) present this also happened to a uh, burger king in shawnee oklahoma on thursday night somebody claiming high levels of carbon monoxide were present and the window damage was put at ten thousand dollars so it's happened twice 
three, three times. times. Uh, the Trump. third time was a uh, a similar call about a gas leak in a Burger King in Morro Bay, California, resulted in thirty five thousand dollars in damage in February. We're now moving to our final round that is called Not For Your Mother, out of the stories from around the week that are laden with innuendo and sexuality that we couldn't possibly read out live on air. If your mother is in the room, she needs to be removed. If they're small minors, they need to be shuffled off to bed with some milk and cookies. I have a story that says Chinese academics have been granted a physics award for their work on creating a fart detector device. A team for we've lost Nathan already. We don't need a device for that. <laughs> oh, for the benefit of our listeners, that was Heather. Yeah. A team from Tianjin University were awarded the nation's pineapple prize after inventing a gizmo, which not only solves the mystery of who farted, but provides a way to locate the source of any odor through the complex dynamics of air. Uh huh. Surely we already know this. You don't need to build an expensive and complicated robot because I was under the impression whoever smelt it dealt it. This is where I'm going. Uh huh. It reveals how the robot swings into action when it discovers that someone has let one rip. When the odor plume clue, I want a band. I'm going to start a rock band called Odor Plume Clue. I'm, it's a, it seems like a neo wave punk type of band. I've even got our first album. Playing. I heard they stink. The robot. <laughs> yeah, I can't physically give you any less points. Nathan's losing points for just encouraging. You're an enabler. The robot performs an exploratory behavior to collect more information about the previously unknown odor source. As well as unmasking stinkers, the robot could perform the more important task of stiffing out gas leaks. My dad dropped his guts once and the gas ball turned up and had half the road up. Uh, as well as unmasking stinkers. There we go. I've already seen. <laughs> The Pineapple Prize is the Chinese equivalent of the Ig Nobel and is handed out to projects that are both fun and serious in 10 fields, including psychology, physics and biology. However, the research must also have been published in a peer-reviewed journal. Farting Weekly is never far from my coffee table. They had a great article last week, actually, on the science of the follow-through. It was very informative, but obviously I only buy it for the pictures. Nathan, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? A male student says he suffers periods when his female flatmate does. This is like men who then have pregnancies, don't they, when their wife's pregnant. Sympathy pregnancy? They have sympathy, and it Uh turns out to be gas. This is where we are. (laughs) What are you hoping for? Methane. (laughs) Oh, look, it's a boy. Wow. George Fellows is a 22-year-old university student, and he believes he gets what he describes as a male period. No, I don't! (laughs) (laughs) He says he's so close to his best friend and flatmate, Amber May Ellis, that he gets cramps when she comes on each month. And it's become so bad that at times he's had to take sick days. Nothing to do with all the chili dogs he's eating then. This is just an excuse to take sick... Or the chocolate or ice cream. Sick days, isn't it? I just want sick days. Over the past three years, he says it's been like a clockwork every month, and he has similar symptoms to females. I get pain in my lower abdomen and in the groin area. I feel super moody, really erratic, and angry with most of my friends. Yeah, that sounds like it's right. (laughs) (laughs) I also get emotional when I'm I'm not really one for crying, but during the time of the month, it's an emotional wreck. 
There's mm-hmm. one thing that doesn't happen for George, though. I do think men can have periods without bleeding, he said. Oh, <laughs> but I'm not shoving something up my urethra to stop it. Have you seen how wide those things are? What, your urethra? My urethra Franklin. No, tampons. <laughs> I'm not oh. sticking one up my eye hole. That would be terrible. Keep walking around with a piece of string coming out your eye hole. <laughs> how would you get it out? You'd have to <laughs> tug a wall. There you go. I am not with you guys on If you this. had a wee... It would be like five inches thick. You'd never get it out. I know you say five inches, but you mean really an inch, right? (laughs) I'm I'm working to uh, metric. You're working to imperial. That's the problem. George explained that when he first started getting cramps three years ago, he asked his doctor for advice. But there was no medical explanation, and he was given uh, pills for the abdominal pain. Might all. He wasn't referred to a psychologist by any chance, was he? (laughs) If he gets pregnant, what are the neighbors going to say? Whatever got into him? (laughs) Are we done? Is that it? Is there any more? I could read more if you want. Go on, carry on. George, however, wouldn't fully compare what he goes through each month to what a female does. How would he know? It's probably a pinch of salt in comparison to what, but I'm just not used to it, he says. Most women have it most of their lives, and I've only had it a couple of years. Would you admit that? He's put his name to that. Can you imagine the bullying he's now going to receive? He's at university. Women will love him. Heather, bring the show to a conclusion. What have you got for me? Has he got a willy in it? Well, it's got lots of willies in it. Has it? Lots of them. Motel owner wants to be seen as sex researcher after secretly watching guests have sex for 30 years. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. He's got video footage of your mother. Oh, God. What were you doing there? For 29- holding, the, holding the camera. <laughs> for 29 years, motel owner Gerald Foose watched hundreds perhaps thousands of guests having sex, going to the bathroom and more at the Manor House Motel in Colorado. Book your stay now. Fantastic. $50 a night. You there know? you go. You there can be you famous go. by the end of the week. I'll make you famous. Now the story of the greatest voyeur in the world is out in the open, thanks to an article published in The New Yorker by journalist Gay Talese. The author says he first learned of Foose when the latter wrote him a letter in 1980. Sexually, I have witnessed, observed, and studied the best firsthand, unrehearsed, non-laboratory sex between couples. And Where, most, which county is this in? Which state? <laughs> Colorado. Colorado. You just wanted to see if you were there, didn't you? I was checking, yeah. <laughs> and most other conceivable sex deviations during the past 15 years, it read. Foose, who sold the motel in 1995, wanted to be seen as a sex researcher and social observer. That's what they're calling it, are they? Not a mere peeping Tom. So when your mother finds all, when your mother finds all the magazines and videos, you're just a researcher. That's right. I'm doing That's some thinking. really hard research. Heavy, 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 hard hitting research. That's right. Penetrative yes. research. <laughs> he didn't want to be seen as a pervert either. No, no, that's to, the last thing you'd want to be. To that end, Foose kept detailed notes of everything he witnessed through his fake ceiling vents. Isn't that fun? Uh-huh. I know. For example, in 1973, he cataloged 184 male orgasms. And and that was that was just your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and 33 female orgasms. What a weekend that was. And noted that white heterosexuals tended to have missionary sex and that only 3% of his guests failed to have sex, period. 
Oh, dear. Talese even joined Foose in his attic laboratory on at least one occasion. How can you say on at least one occasion? You know if you've been That makes him an accessory, doesn't it? And found that the man had an uncontrollable desire to peer into other people's lives. The statute of limitations has passed on the voyeur-related crimes, reports the Post, but Talese writes that Foose could face trouble for over a 1977 murder he says he witnessed but never reported. I, I don't understand how this law is in place in this country. In Britain, there's celebrities that are in their 80s now that are being banged up in jail for things they did in the 60s and 70s to children and so forth. The time doesn't make any difference. There's people in Europe that are still being convicted for Nazi war crimes in their 90s for stuff they did in 1943. How's this possible? How does Ask this work? the attorney. Statute of limitations. Why do we have it? Fabulous. I'm glad you're on the show. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for anything, to be honest with you, he says. I'm just a poor soul. Foose Nobody loves me. Foose From a poor family. That- bearing his life on his monstrosity. <laughs> Gone. Boos maintains that no guests were ever harmed by his voyeurism as they never knew that they were being watched. But now they do because he's come out and I bet everyone's now thinking about what they were doing in Colorado in 1973. Probably. Fabulous. If you were there, do write in to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery. It is Griff, who never got off of minus five for calling me decrepit an hour ago. (laughs) And in resplendent first place, the $33,000 IR camera is myself, who gained a respectable four. Nathan scored three for bringing his own pencils. (laughs) Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time and i would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal strange intriguing bizarre and weird please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my facebook site more questions and answers with adrian lee you can also join my twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips and remember we are now on air for another 20 to 25 minutes in a round called not for your mother if you go to soundcloud and type in mq ta we're doing a round that we couldn't possibly read out live on air for fear of being fined or being removed it just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting good night (laughs) 